The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. After doing 5,500 inspections, I've learned a lot along the way, and I share that with people kind of off the record. Welcome, everybody, to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside my co-host, Tessa Murray, building science guru, and Ruben Saltzman, home inspection extraordinaire. We call him the savant. I am super, super excited to be in the studio with Vicki Swenson from Minnesota Mold Inspections. And Vicki is probably one of the top mold experts in our area. She's kind of a pioneer when it comes to mold and mold inspections. So if you could just take a minute and tell us who you are and how you got into this business. I'm so excited to be here right now with you. Well, I'm really excited to be here too, so thanks for having me. My company's called Minnesota Mold Inspection LLC, and if you look me up, you have to put the LLC because if you just Google Minnesota Mold Inspection, a whole bunch of things will come up. So I've been doing this for 15 years, and you're right, I am a bit of a pioneer. I estimate the industry is about 30 years old. So there was about 15 years that maybe wasn't as structured as it is now, but 15 years ago, all I knew is I, I have four sons, and one is really allergic to mold. And when I realized that he was allergic to Grandma's house 300 miles away, and she had so much mold, it was ridiculous. Couldn't convince him it was a problem. It was obvious everywhere, but the third time Jimmy ended up in ER visiting Grandma, that's when I realized Ooh. it caused health problems. Wow. At the same time, I noticed that four other people in our family had enough mold to trigger his asthma. In the outdoor molds in October, when he was 8, 9, and 10, his asthma got so bad, he almost died three Octobers in a row. So that's really what raised my awareness. You have obviously a personal connection yep. to it. And Ruben, I just want to ask you, you've been in this business for 25 years now, right? That's about right, yeah. How long have you been talking about mold? And how, if you rated yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you consider your knowledge of mold? Uh, like a 2. Okay. Maybe a 3. I don't know. Not very high. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's something oh. that I've always shied away from. I've always referred it to somebody else. And why? Because I don't feel like there's enough published standards. There's not enough black and white. I've sat through so many seminars where you have experts in the field contradicting each other. So adamant that this is not a big deal and everybody says it is and it's not. Or people saying the opposite and saying it is. And this is not what I do for a living. I am not a mold specialist. I, I don't have a degree in any of this. This is not my thing. I'm a home inspector. Okay. So I, I try well to <laughs> draw a, a clear cut line. Gotcha. I like it. I totally agree because I tell people I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a microbiologist, I'm a home inspector. So I'm right there with you. Everything I ever say about health or legal is totally off the record because I'm a home inspector. And the only questions I can answer is, do you have mold? What kind? How much? How did it get there? What do you do to get rid of it? And is it gone? That said, after doing 5,500 inspections, I've learned a lot along the way. And I share that with people kind of off the record. 5,500 mm. wow. mold inspections. Mm -hmm. Tessa, how many mold inspections have you done? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> do you take a lot of questions about it? Well, it, it seems like mold comes up almost every inspection. You know, when we're working with someone who's buying a house, we ask them, what are your concerns? You know, and a lot of people have concerns about 
mold. Or when we're inspecting, even if they don't bring it up as being a concern, we'll find, air quotes here, mold-like substance, dark staining, mold, whatever you want to call it, you know, in the attic or in the basement or in the bathroom, you know, wherever. And so when we're inspecting, if we don't talk about that with the person, they see it in the report, they freak out about it. So there's usually a discussion on site about it. But I wish I knew more. You know? It feels like in the home inspection business, in the real estate business, this feels like a fulcrum where people would make a decision on do they want a house or do they not want this house? And it's hard because we can't provide that immediate information. And so that's where you come in, Vicki. And just so everybody, if you're just tuning in, we have Vicki Swenson in on our podcast today from Minnesota Mold Inspections, LLC. <laughs> do search with the LLC in uh, your Google search. So, okay, Vicki, let's get back to it. You had your, your son who was very allergic to mold and you were going through this process and, and starting to connect dots. So while you were connecting dots, what were you doing? What were you doing in your life at that moment? I was a computer programmer for 20 years. I was a COBOL coder. Okay. And uh, these IT projects can go on two, two years. And so I really got kind of tired of that as I raised the four kids and I just ended up staying home for a while. And as my awareness of mold started rising, becoming aware of it, we also built a new house. I did not know 15 years ago. I'd actually been in business 15 years. So when we got ready for a bigger house, I didn't know how would you know if a house had mold and what would you do. I just knew that my son couldn't live there. So we built a new house to make sure there was no mold, and that's how we got out to where we are now. And I was impressed with the contractors. They frame a house, go on to the next one. Wire a house, go on to the next one. So as all this that came together, the awareness about mold, the desire for shorter projects, but even then, if someone just out of the blue hadn't told me, my friend is a mold inspector, I wouldn't even be aware that there was such a thing. When someone told me that, I went right to Google and Googled how to become a mold inspector. And 15 years ago, I tell people what was on the internet 15 years ago is probably 20% of what's out there today. The whole world of mold has literally exploded. But at that time, I found the National Association of Mold Professionals and the Indoor Environmental Standards Organization. And I called people. I knew that I wanted to get some training and certification right off the bat. So I called people in Minneapolis that were certified each way. I asked them, what do you do? How do you like it? How did you get trained? The NAMP guys that's still an organization. They said, we know how to find and clean mold. The other guys are just scientists. Gotcha. And I think they were calling air quality, air testing, science. Along the way, I met a guy that was running a company called Mold Detective. He was doing it part-time. He had a full-time job. And he was going to bring me on as the West End partner. He said, take the same training I did, and I'll bring you on as the West End. I'll do the East End. So I went to Kansas City for two-day training. I always put this out on the internet. Yes, I took the two-day class, but I've come a long way in 15 years. <laughs> They're just Even today, there's not a lot of good training for mold inspectors, very good training for mold remediators, but the inspection part's still a little light. Mm -hmm. So I took the training he did, and I got back, and I said, okay, I'm ready. And he said, well, I'm getting out of business. I'm getting too many sinus infections from mold. Oh, so I bought my. his stuff and went out there. I wow. said, always thankful to the first 200 people that hired me when I really didn't know that much, but I joined the Indoor Air Quality Association. My son's friend's dad is an industrial hygienist. I lined up with really good mentors and just did it. That's awesome. And I mean, home inspectors are a lot the same way, right? I mean, there was a point where somebody just hung out a shingle and began to provide a service that would help somebody. That's right. And so how else do you get experience? Go do it. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to get into some of the standards in mold. I hope you can kind of clear up what's the difference between the various standards out there. You're listening to Structure Talk. I'm your host, Bill Ulrich, and we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Ruben Saltzman here with the Structure Talk podcast. 
We talk a lot about education on our podcast because this is one of our core values here at Structure Tech. To prove how important this is to us, we actually teach free continuing education classes to real estate agents all over the Twin Cities. We've been doing this for years, and we have classes ranging from one to four hours in length. These classes are taught by both me and Tessa, and if you're interested in having us come out to teach at your office, all you need to do is visit our website, click on the education tab, and you can see instructions on how to get us out to your office. And you can also see a calendar of upcoming events. If you're interested in having us come out, please visit our website at structuretech1.com. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, with guest star in the studio, <laughs> Vicki Swenson from Minnesota Mold Inspections, LLC. So, Vicki, before we went to the break, you were kind of laying out how you got into the business. And I've been very interested in standards because I hear there's no clear standards in the mold industry. There's people just pick one of two or maybe three different thought processes and go with it. So can you explain what are the mold standards out there right now? Well, there is, and I don't have the official name of the book. There's an industrial hygiene book that's called the Bible of the, the go-to standard for Yeah, we'll track aerosols. that down and we'll actually link okay. it up to this podcast. So we um, don't need... That was the first thing I was told about. But basically, there's a guy named Bob Brandis who's worked in clean room technology and HEPA filtration for years. And he wrote a book called Unclearance Testing. So several years ago, I was communicating with Bob over the internet and asking, why don't we have standards? Because for airborne, I'll talk about this later, I do rate, are your spores high, low, very high? It's just really the test is going to be mold or not mold. But when I was discussing with Bob, saying, I just feel like there's a number for me, like because no one should have 17,000 spores in the air. Is he, that a lot? That's a lot. Okay. Yeah, you can get 170,000. Like, out of what, a billion? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yes. Yeah, so airborne spores are measured per cubic centimeter of cubic meter of air. Okay. So imagine size of a cubic meter. What Bob told me at the time is pretty much every other country has standards. It's only due to special interests that we don't. He didn't divulge who. I'm wondering if it's insurance companies or large restoration companies, somebody lobbying to keep us without standards. However, last month I was giving a speech to Legal Aid has hired me to start going into low-income homes. And so I was giving a speech to a group of attorneys, and someone who had been to a recent EPA-led class had made some notion that there's everybody at the lead class was talking about the mold bomb that the EPA is going to release soon. So I actually emailed the EPA and said, does this mean you're finally going to have some mold standards? But the EPA has not emailed me back yet. And for everybody who's listening, you can't see, there are three sets of eyebrows just raised really rapidly. <laughs> A mold bomb. Very and interesting. I'm, I'm sure they're talking about some sort of standard. But like I said, so I went yeah. right home and emailed the EPA saying, does this mean we're finally going to get some standards? Because that's really where it starts. There are other organizations of the world, but we really rely on the EPA or the State Department of Health. It would be some government entity. I tell people if I'm testing lead, radon, or asbestos, there is a threshold, but there's no threshold limit value defined in America for mold. Interesting. So then who do you follow? I follow the European Union standards, and I've kind of added my own caveat. And I've had other industrial hygienists call me and say, well, where are you getting the standard? Well, since there is no standard, <laughs> I've kind of made up my own. I follow the European, the EU guidelines say that, again, airborne spores are measured per cubic meter of air. Their standards say under 50 spores is very low, and, and that is low. Under 200 is low. 200 to 1,000 is medium. 1,000 to 10,000 is high. And if you're above 10,000, that's very high. Get out of the house. So 
<laughs> I only said that to one guy in my whole career. But <laughs> did he believe? Gotta be you? careful, you know. Can't accept that liability. <laughs> Go to a hotel. Roll back after you said that, yeah. didn't you? Well, I'll tell you about that one later. That landlord situation where the mold was dripping off the walls, and he just had a tracheotomy, and he really shouldn't have been there. Oh, gosh. Mm. So, I, if the European Union considers up to a thousand spores to be medium, and after spending, I've spent over four hundred thousand dollars testing it, the air. I, I just it makes sense to me that up to a thousand is normal. But I've had the caveat that I don't want to see any toxic black mold. So all my reports say, if you're testing after mold is gone, I'll consider the air to be normal if total spores are under 1,000 and stachybotrys is zero. Is that the black mold? That is the toxic black mold. Gotcha. And there are all sorts of situations where I'll go in and test after the mold is gone, and I can tell there's no mold in the room anymore. But sometimes it's hard to clear from the air. I've been told that I'm the only one who really wants that stacky gone. Other inspectors do, but it's sort of a gray area about how hard you push to get that zero. And I tell people, again, everything I say about health is off the record. If your mold is gone, one stacky spore isn't a big health threat. The reason I try to get that to zero is when you disclose you've had mold and you sell your house and you show that you had it removed and you show the report, if people see that remaining in the air, they get nervous. So I say, it's not a health threat. I just want you to have a clean report for the next time you sell your house. Well, that's awesome for your mm-hmm. clients or for anybody involved in the transaction. I mean, you're thinking far enough ahead for them that you're saving a really a, a big pain in the butt yep. if yep. somebody came because up and asked these questions, right? Exactly, because they should disclose. So I said, testing after the mold is gone lets you know that they did a good job or that you did a good job because 20% of my clients remove their own mold under my direction. So it lets you know that you're back to normal, but it's good to have that report when you sell. Now, I got to ask you, when you talk about black mold, can you identify black mold by looking at it? Nope. So when you hear toxic black mold, generally people are referring to a mold called stachybotrys, S-T-A-C-H-Y-B-O-T-R-Y-S. It is a water indicator mold. It can't grow. Different molds grow from different moisture levels. So stachybotrys is a water indicator mold. It takes a direct leak, like a water heater leak or a foundation leak. It's almost always found on sheetrock, sometimes wood. It's a cellulose mold. And the thought is mold contaminates the air two ways, with spores, which are particles, which are little seeds, and volatile organic compounds, microbial VOCs, just another word for fumes. When you smell it, you're smelling that. When mold grows goes dry and dormant, you won't smell it as much. But when you walk in and you can smell that mold, you're not smelling spores. You're smelling the VOCs, fumes, proteins, mycotoxins, whatever you want to call them. It's, I usually use those four words. I say proteins because it's interesting to me that mold releases proteins into the air. Mm-hmm. So back to that mold. There is some thought that when that mold is wet and growing and the microbial VOCs can cause some neurological problems. And that's what gave it that reputation. Now, Ruben's right. I mean, have they proven this? Again, I'm not a doctor, but that is the thought behind that mold is that the VOCs can cause health issues. So one spore, back to you know one spore in the air, if I can tell that basement's gutted, there's nothing for mold to be on, but it's still in the air. I still want it gone, but it's more the VOCs that cause the health problems. Wow. Okay. So just because it's black doesn't mean it's, it's stachybotrys. Nope. So probably the most common mold is Aspergillus penicillium, and there are 200 subspecies. That can be white or green or dark. Mm. So, yep, just because it's dark does mm-hmm. not mean it's that kind. The only I've, way you'd know is test. Mm-hmm. I've seen countless contractors diagnose mold yeah. types on site. Be like, oh, that's black mold. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. Hear it, so that's the worst type of mold. Yeah. Oh, that's the horrible stuff you can tell. Yep, you I can't just, tell. Even I can't tell. I never tell. get in these conversations, but I just, I'm rolling my eyes without letting anybody know. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well... 
what what is the structure tech motto is delivering the tr- objective truth what is the unbiased yeah. truth. the unbiased truth that's how i am too i just you know i've had renters say well where's the word that says how dangerous this is for me nope i just just the facts that's how i stay out of trouble that's how i don't get sued to be as thorough as possible i don't scare people there's a lot of fear mongering going on in this business now that said i want it to be identified and cleaned up the right way i don't mm-hmm. want just bleach i want the s520 mold standard to be followed but I don't scare people. In fact, I usually get them to stop crying and buy that house and calm down and whatever it takes so they they don't go overboard. That's awesome. We're going to step away for a quick minute, but when we get back, we're going to talk about that standard or that cleanup that you just referenced because I'm very curious about how you clean things up the right way. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. Hi, everyone. Bill Ulrich from Structure Talk. We talk a lot about maintenance on the podcast. If you're like me, I'd rather be doing anything other than maintaining my house. Problem is, my neglectful nature can bring unexpected surprises. So what's a fantasy football fan like me to do? Punch! That's why I recommend Kira Home Maintenance. They actually like home maintenance, and they're happy to do it for you. For a couple dollars a day, they'll keep your home on track. They free you up to enjoy your weekends. Check them out at curahome.com. That's K-U-R-A home.com. Got to get back to the game. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. I'm Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. We're here today talking with Vicki Swenson, Minnesota Mold Inspections, LLC, talking mold. So Vicki and I have had some conversations in the past. Um, we've actually had her out to some houses we've inspected to take a, a closer look at things. But one thing I thought was interesting, Vicki, is you told me you can actually sort of walk into a house and sort of know you're kind of like the mold whisperer. You, you've got this sixth sense if, if something's <laughs> bad. So tell me about that. And then I want you to get into, you had mentioned the cleanup standards. That's 520 or something. Y- yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we like acronyms, but the nerdology around here, sometimes we have to kind of <laughs> oh, yeah. bring no, it down. Wait, to, wait a minute, uh, Bill. You like acronyms. I love acronyms. I, I, I got to cut in here. You're the king of made up acronyms. Yes, we all right. joke about you because yes. he makes up his own and he uses them on all of us. And we kind of look at each other. <laughs> we and go, need a translation. What's he talking about? Yeah. yeah. I, I always translate in parentheses behind them if I'm sometimes. doing it in print. I shared with you Elon Musk's memorandum on yeah. acronyms. Acronyms seriously suck was oh, the title of it. I disagree with him. Oh, I got to I gotta send it over to you. He made it like company policy at Tesla or, or whatever, yeah. SpaceX, I think yeah. it was, that you're not allowed to use any acronyms that have not been pre-approved. Okay. All right. Can we, can we drive yeah. out of the ditch well, and get and back S5 on the mold highway? <laughs> all right, fine. But, but all right. So, okay. So Vicky, tell me about your nose. What what makes you so special? So what's happened to me is because I'm around so much mold, I've be developed allergies. Really? I the first five years I did this, I had no allergic reaction. But because I'm around it so much, I've developed four different allergic reactions. And by golly, when I'm having this reaction and the tests come back, it's amazing how they correlate. My tongue will swell a little bit. It's really hard to say. None of these are life-threatening reactions. Mm-hmm. They're just very minor, but I notice some. The, the most common one is that my tongue will stand up a little bit. Hard to explain what that means. It's just a little 
feels different. When it's in basement carpet, and basement carpet is the number one source of mold in Minnesota, half the mold is hiding in carpet <laughs> in the basement. Pat, and when Pat it's heavy, yes. like, Tessa's about to say, oh, yes. <laughs> my, my nose will run from that kind. You can get a whole mold farm because most carpet is synthetic. The mold is actually growing on the dust, and it has two sources of moisture coming up through the slab and uncontrolled humidity. Mm-hmm. So when that's present, my nose will run. When it's on wet sheetrock, my throat closes a little bit. And there's one called ketonium that we haven't talked about. It's it's like stachybotrys, C-H-A-E-T-O-M-I-U-M. If I pull back a baseboard, my skin itches. Uh, it'll come back ketonium. Again, everything off the record, but I know that causes, like, my skin will itch. And I worked with a woman in an apartment that had so much ketonium, and she had developed a major rash. And, of course, mm-hmm. the city had inspected her place five times, but they never lifted the carpet, which is a whole other subject. Like, mm-hmm. cities, don't be calling it mold inspection if you're not going to lift the carpet or push in the wobbly wall that's been painted 20 times oh. in the corner. Wow. Don't say you've inspected that place by looking for the obvious mold yeah. because it hides. Wow. So I just have... a gazillion questions. I'll say that. And I know we're going to talk about cleanup standards, but that's going to be part two of this conversation because yeah, there's, there's no doubt. There's just too much going on. So we're going to save the cleanup for later. 5,500 houses. How many, if you could throw it into a percentage, how many have mold levels that are in and maybe it's really high because people only call you out to test when they think there's a problem. So this this could be an inaccurate exactly, thing. Exactly, yep. Okay, all right. But how many of those houses came back positive or higher than you would like to see? Probably 98%, but, but you're right, because most people who are in an occupied environment call me when they think they have mold. Okay. When yeah. purchasing homes, maybe, you know, I'll see one once in a while that doesn't have mold, but... It usually is hiding somewhere. Are it, people calling you out to do a mold inspection pre-purchase? Like The lucky the ones. Ins- <laughs> oh, the lucky ones. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, a lot of people, if they're aware, they'll, sometimes I'm there with a general home inspector. I like that because we can look in the attic together. Mm-hmm. We kind of do things together. So there are a lot of people that, yes, hire me. Or sometimes there was a, a gentleman who tried to buy a house four times this summer. He had me and the EMF guy, which I don't know a thing about that. Electromagnetic fields? yes. We like to identify our acronyms, yes. Um, So we inspected four homes for this potential buyer in a certain city, and he walked away from every one. And every one of those did have some mold, but he really walked away because he was more afraid of the EMFs. Hmm. Sounds like that gentleman might have a hard time finding any place to live. Four houses, beautiful houses, walked away from. So when it comes to mold, I tell people mold should never be a real estate deal breaker. It really shouldn't. It's all, you can remove it. The time to find it is when you're buying so the seller can pay. I work with too many people that move in and then they find their problems and it's really hard to go back. So that's why I say the lucky ones have a mold inspector with them when they're doing yeah. inspections. And whether the seller pays or somebody, at least you have the conversation ahead of time and you don't have any surprises. And I think that's what bums people out the most. I used to take the complaint calls and people always felt the most bad when they couldn't have that conversation. And just to clear the air, literally, up front, I mean, it's just, it's good to have that information. Well, and so when it comes to mold inspections, there's mold inspection and mold testing. So even no matter who hires me, the first hour, I'm not running any tests. I'm looking for it. There is no test that tells you where the mold is. 
So we can talk about the types of testing, air testing for spores, surface testing to, to confirm that a discoloration is mold, VOC testing, earlier when I was talking about the microbial VOCs. Formaldehyde is a huge problem in new homes, so a lot of my clients are running a VOC test, and if your mold is wet enough, it'll show up in that test. But then there's one called ERMI, E-R-M-I, Environmental Relative Moldiness Index, that was developed by the EPA. The interesting thing is the EPA has still considers this a research tool. They haven't said, here's the be-all, end-all mold test. But Mm -hmm. a lot of doctors have people running this themselves. So a lot of my calls start with, I ran the ERMI test. It says I have mold, but I don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. Because it tells you how contaminated your clean-looking surfaces are from mold. Wow. These proteins or these, I'm not still unclear if it's the VOCs, the spores, the hyphal fragments, or the proteins, or all of these that get deposited on surfaces and will show up in this ERMI test. And the interesting thing about ERMI is I still take to surface and air tests. They're evaluated by microbiologists who put this under a microscope and look at the spores. ERMI is actually a DNA test. They have determined which DNA comes from these various mold, and it's like com- done by computer of some sort. Wow, Vicki. Thank you very much. I've got a thousand questions going, and we're going to get into those in another episode. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. I hope you join in for part two. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech1.com.